0: We know that if we're not focusing on our mental health, we're not having mental health and wellbeing goals, then that's going to have a direct impact on our performance. So that's a big shift for our culture, changing a personal professional development plan that's really been always geared to performance and fees and sales. Now we're starting to say, well, how are you actually going in your wellbeing? Have you walked, Have you gone for a walk today? Have you gone and done your exercise that you said you would? Because you know that that has an impact on how you show up the next day. So it's it's really important. Wow.
1: Hello and welcome. Welcome to another episode of the Finding Equilibrium show. Delighted to be here, delighted that you're here and delighted that my guest today is Natalie Britt from Hayes ANZ, who's the Director of People and culture. So thank you, Nat, uh, for uh, spending some time today. It's been a bit of a challenge just finding this time. I guess it's very busy uh, heading out people and culture uh, at any time of year, but p- p- particularly now. So um, where, where are you Where are you speaking to us from today?
0: I'm from Sydney. Uh, so I am on the beautiful uh, Central Coast in in Terrigal. So um, yeah, it's been a um, enjoying couple of months just having that balance between working from home and then going back into the office um, we still we still are trying to work our way through that transition back into the office. But um, it's it's proving challenging, especially these last couple of weeks um, with, you know, with the spike in cases. But yes, from from Sydney.
1: Well, well welcome. So, so people and culture, Head director of people and culture, so top of the tree, so to speak. I'd love to for you to introduce yourself more formally to the audience and just tell us a little bit about you and your journey to um, to this point.
0: Yeah, look, um, it's a it's an interesting role. I mean, I um, I came from previous HR director roles in very different industries. So I've um, worked in defence before. Um, I've worked in the aviation industry and um, government, and then telecommunications, and and sort of landed in recruitment by default. I, I do a lot of um, public speaking out uh, in the market in our HR industry, and um, stumbled on um, Hayes when I was going through a panel interview uh, when I had Hayes um, executives with me. So it was sort of just... uh opportunity and by chance um, been on a panel with the executives in Hayes, and um, there was a, a very rare opportunity uh, that opened up for a director of people and culture um, for, for the Australian New Zealand business. Obviously we're a global business so um, you know the, these roles don't come up very often and um, there's a lot there's really great uh, tenure in in, in Hays. Um, people have been here 20-30 years um, because of the great culture. So um, for me uh, you know it looked like a, a really good opportunity for me to shape some change Um, in in the people and culture department. Uh, There's there's about um, 20, 25, 26 odd um, people in in the team. uh, And we spread across, um, you know, the whole of Australia and and New Zealand. And so it's been, um, because as as you would know, um, the HR is in demand at the moment. of the change, the transformation and um, dealing with, um, you know, things like wellbeing and, and, and work health and safety on pretty much a day, day-to-day basis. So um, my my background has always been uh, in, in human resources from a generalist point of view, but always touching in that industrial relations um, space, just by the nature of the industries that i worked in, aviation and defence, uh, you require that industrial relations expertise. So for me, um, it's about leading, um, you know, great teams, high-performing teams, making sure that they they are um, decentralized in the business, that they are commercially astute. Um, and now it's all about, um, you know, shifting that skill and capability onto future leaders in HR, um, particular female HR practitioners out, out in the world wanting to progress their careers. So, um, it, you know, it's it's been a really enjoyable for four and a half months now um, that I've been in the role and and seeing the business go through uh, constant transformation through this period has been um, yeah, quite a, quite a journey
1: interesting thank you for sharing that with me so so a question that comes to mind immediately is as you talk about transformation and haze recruitment you know it it doesn't have i guess the reputation for being big on well-being let's say it tends to be kind of bigger on uh, not necessarily haze, i'm talking about the whole the whole uh, recruitment industry it tends to be big on sales and big on uh, on the performance of the business i'd love to understand how you get the balance right between uh, serving the needs of the business and serving the needs needs of the people to ensure that well-being, mental well-being uh, is supported.
0: Yeah, you know, it's an excellent question because, as you know, um, you know, the recruitment industry is, is you work really hard. You work really hard. You have high performance um, deliverables and expectations, very KPI and performance driven, right? So that typically attracts a certain candidate that, you know, does like to move fast paced and does like to have um, a, a lot happening at the same time and, and is competitive and, and has that constant drive. But as we know, when you're, when you're a candidate like that or when you're um, in, in an organisation like that, Sometimes you don't know what that off button is. Um, so what, the journey that that Hayes has been un, uh, under for you know probably two years now is really shifting that um, that approach in how we work. So the flexibility um, to ena- to enable people to have work life balance, and I've really seen a shift in the culture since that point. So you know we started on the journey probably two and a half years ago, where it was a typical um, office sort of um, environment where everyone came into the office, you worked you know um, eight am to 6pm and then you worked overtime beyond that right now what we've done is we've we have one of the best flexibility policies um in our industry and we completely embrace flexibility where you can work anywhere um, and you do have the balance to change your hours of work and be able to be still online but still have breaks during the day or still be able to be in control and be empowered to to deliver the work how you wanna deliver it. Um, So it's not just that old traditional methods of you have to be in the office, you have to be visible, you have to be seen. It's now really going, well, you can still operate effectively um, whilst you're at home and still achieve the performance outcomes that we've always achieved as as a company, but it's allowing people the time and space to have balance in their life. And if they wanna take an hour to go for a walk during the day, that's okay, because they're at home and they have that flexibility. So, I think a shift in mindset around um, constant regular feedback. So, um, wanting to have the ability to constantly um, you check in with people and ask if they're okay, constantly make it part of our meeting agendas, have initiatives every single day focusing on wellbeing. Um, and, and that stems from the top. So if the top is embracing wellbeing and they're talking about how they look after their own mental health, then I think, you know, it, it breeds a culture of wanting to be open to feedback about how we could be doing better. So we've just introduced another pulse survey, which is specifically targeting wellbeing and flexibility. We want to know every single month month how we're going um, and that's really important and we've, we've achieved such great results um, in terms of well-being and flexibility and have come such a long way we have you know engagement scores of 80 88 percent 90 percent and that's unheard of in a, in a COVID environment especially in a recruitment environment dealing with COVID um, to have those engagement levels particularly honing in on aspects like fit, flexibility and well-being it just speaks volumes to how how far we've come along that journey. Mm, That's amazing. Uh,
1: Well done. On the flexibility, just picking that up, was that a trend that was happening pre-COVID and just accelerated during COVID or was it a response to um, to the pandemic?
0: Yeah, look, I think it it triggered a faster approach to how we were rolling out flexibility in general. So we always had plans because our industry was start, starting, especially the boutique recruitment, you know, um, firms where they're sort of saying you can work anywhere and, you know, and and so we had to get on the front foot with that um, prior to COVID. But I think it just accelerated our thinking around how we could do things differently um, in this space and and to really have that empowerment piece and, and, and you know, um, educate our managers that had for the past 20 years years just considered the work environment being in the office being visible and so you know going through the training and education of um, how do you manage people while they're working remotely what does that look like and you know what are some of the the tools that you need to to stay on top of things such as well-being and making sure that you're checking in and they don't feel like they're isolated from the workplace environment because you've got to remember with with recruitment there's that philosophy of you you know you work hard you play hard so there's that social inter- you know element attached to it that if you if mm-hmm. you not visible if you're not interacting with your people on a day-to-day basis you lose that um that connection and that social element mm.
1: that that's really cool how, how do you maintain the um i guess the, the, a sense of control so you mentioned giving the managers um, the tools because i love it because in, in many ways having worked in this industry myself for you know quite a long time now flexibility was always the number one requirement so it's wonderful that we finally finally got here and you and you're in and you've got that but one of the issues when we when I was part of debates in the past was how can we control how do we trust how do we know if people are actually you know can people really take responsibility I think that was the underlying point where it sounds like what you're doing is giving people a lot of autonomy to actually make decisions and take responsibility for how they spend their time and as long as the results are there then everyone's happy is is that right are there other tools that you have yeah and and
0: Absolutely, and and look, I think it's um, it's it's worked actually um, quite the opposite. I think people get afraid initially, where they go, you know, if we if we open it up too much, and we have so much um, discretion here around people can go and be empowered to make their own decisions around flexibility, then no one's ever going to want to come back to the workplace. But what we've actually found is the exact opposite, right? Mm. We found that because we've given so much flexibility where we're not dictating terms, we're not saying that it has to be a rigid schedule and it has to be reviewed every six months. We're saying it's open, whatever works for you, as long as you're agreeing with your manager, the relationship and how you want to interact and where you want to work and what that looks like, then it's an ongoing evolution. It's not just a fixed schedule and then you set and forget it, right? And because there's been that constant dialogue and that checking in around, you know, shifting the schedules from time to time, people have actually willingly wanted to come back into the office their own self. So it's been, well, you know what? I've had all this flexibility now. I get to be empowered to make that decision. My choice is actually coming to the office one or two days a week. And that's been really powerful because Mm. we've not forced it. We've not um, asked for it. We've not had any mandatory requirements. We've in fact, extended um, extra flexibility provisions that we put in just for COVID and said, well, we've been doing such a great job. We're actually performing even better than what we were prior to COVID, we, we can just relax this and keep relaxing this until it doesn't work. So, you know, I think it's it's actually worked in our favor that people yeah. actually start to miss the office. Yes, it will never go back to how it used to be, but there'll still be an element of that social connection and face-to-face. You can never completely remove that. I think that there's some benefit in, in always having that face-to-face, right? But in terms of the tools, I think it's just role modelling and leading by example, you know, um, to see my MD of ANZ, who typically, you know, has always been in the office and always been visible to his people, having, you know, having him be on a team's call at home, or, you know, being able to show everyone that he's doing exactly what we're doing from time to time, and he can make that work. And um, I think, you know, dealing with the technology, having a bit of a joke, you know, a bit of a joke that people have never had to rely on technology the way that they've had to over the last two years. But it's it's forced people to learn new skills it's forced people to have the tools to actually work remotely and and be successful in that in that respect so you know I think it's role modeling by example it's it's having the right tools in place so you know you can't enable um, people to feel comfortable working completely remotely if they don't have the tools and the IT and the technology to back that up I think that's a big tick Um, and then just being able to um work out a way to still have the interaction from a social perspective albeit remotely so how do you do that um you know is it doing the the online virtual trivia nights um when we had our ops meeting for example a month ago where we had you know um 60 odd people dial in um we still did a, a remote um you know uh, fun activity at the end where everyone got their cheese and wine tasting boards delivered to their front door and we were able to do that together remotely so i think it's just finding different ways to still still have that flexibility, but also that connection piece.
1: Mm, no, I love that, and I guess what goes through my mind when I hear you speak is that this whole period has forced us to really tap into our creative um, resources to be creative. Yeah. And it also made us yeah. realize how important, like the workplace has shifted from being a place where community comes together um that people need that on, and if it's their choice as opposed to they have to be somewhere because they're being monitored then it's a
0: completely different mindset so uh, um yeah, yeah. Uh, and we- and even 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 well-being i mean i think for me we you know we always hear now that the trend is you give one day a year for well-being and people to focus on their well-being. Um, you know, this year it was really turning the dial even further, where, you know, we had our board meeting um about two months ago and we said, is one day really enough, considering everything that's happened, particularly over the last 12 months in in a lot of our states across Australia and New Zealand. And we were thinking, let's Let's do something better than that. We can do better than a day because we believe that there's been so much time lost in lockdown with you know not having friends and family, and we know that that's a big thing with wellbeing. That we you know having that connection and and time spent with friends and family. So you know we we put together a proposal, and when I say we, me and the executives um, put our, our proposal to our MD to say, look, do you think that it would be too much of an ask to have? two days so um Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve um uh, given as annual leave days so we usually finish earlier on those days particularly at lunchtime but we said you know really um let's give them half a day on each of those days off to represent the time and and you know the space that they need to have that well-being aspect um over this period that they've missed so much of that they've missed that interaction um, and so you know it was pretty much a not even a debate when we got to that point where, you know, our MD Nick had said, so does every, is everyone in favour of giving these extra two days over this period? And everyone was, you know, endorsing it. And, you know, it was just such a nice thing to give back and to say to the organisation, we are giving you these two extra days off so you can go and spend time on your mental health and wellbeing. I think that says a lot to um, our commitment to wanting to give to give more and more.
1: Now, that's that, that's wonderful. H- have you got the tools in place to track the impact of you mentioned poll surveys. Are there other other tools that you have to track that impact? Because what we see, I guess, across many companies is that um, sometimes it can be a reaction well being, but then it doesn't sustain. And I guess what we're really focused on is ensuring it is a board level priority, which means that it's it's ongoing. It doesn't end after a period after a crisis ends, but it can it it, um, it maintains.
0: Yeah, so um, look, there's, there's a couple of ways that we do that. The first way is um, it's a group-wide initiative so, from a global point of view, our global CEO that sits in in the UK is constantly tracking our um, our results in wellbeing, and and that is why we've we've added the extra surveys throughout this year because we want to make sure that we're tracking and, and we're monitoring progress. And when I say monitoring progress, it's not just um, you know participation rates and making sure that everyone fills out that survey. It's actually demonstrating actions to support improvement in that area. So, um, how do we measure that? How do we um, deliver on those on those initiatives? Well, we put it in action kpis so one of the the biggest things is to have um, everyone have in their you know, top level kpis from from exec level down a well-being kpi what are you doing in that space to so look after well-being and mental health and and we have to demonstrate um, action plans and initiatives that we are that we are proactively um, demonstrating in in the business um, the other one is uh, making sure that we are role modeling the examples around our edni strategy and our volunteering so that we obviously know that that has a big impact impact on people's um, you know mental health and well-being and, and giving back and giving to the community so making sure that everyone is taking their one day a year for volunteering and that we're endorsing that and we're advocating that we're talking about volunteering we're talking about our EDI and i commitments around inclusivity is making sure that everyone has an opportunity to be their true self at work and share more about themselves so you know how do we track that how do we know that that's having an impact well we look at our um, our turnover and our turnover is incredibly low we have seen um, you know very low turnover particularly at that um, top level even even to the level down where people feel like they're coming to work with a purpose and there is a greater sense of purpose Um, so you know in terms of measurement where we're always checking we've always got our finger on the pulse about our well-being initiatives and how we could be doing better we always ask for feedback after our initiatives so when we had are you okay day when we had disability day when we had volunteering day checking in with people to say have we hit the mark did we did we do enough have we shared enough have we promoted enough Have we advertised it enough? So it's that open dialogue, I think, that really helps, Um, but but particularly I think if businesses want to be serious about tracking the benefits of well-being and making sure that um, it's not just a um, like I said a set and forget or you you know you have a little bit of a spike and then you forget about it have it in your annual KPIs as an exec team as an as a board and make sure that you know certainly within your HR strategies I'm just about to um, recreate our our HR strategy for the next year that is number one for me it is making sure that um, we are focusing on well-being and mental health um, throughout the year and we dedicated to putting project plans in place? What is the next thing that we're doing in that space? The other thing that we've done is um, we've also changed our um, development plans. So usually our development plans were focused on performance outcomes. So fees, how much money we're making, sales driven. What we've decided to do is um, shift that development plan to call it a personal growth plan. And we've changed it deliberately because it's not just about Performance. It's not just about your professional career. It is about your personal growth in the holistic sense. So we've tailored the template where it's just one page. It's a simple page that you fill out around your own development. But a big piece of that is about your well-being. What are your well-being goals for the for the year? And how, as me as a manager, I'm going to support you through that. So when we have our, our meetings, our monthly meetings, particularly in PNC, for example, the first thing I'll say is, how have you been going with your well-being goals? How are you tracking? Tell me that you've reached progress. So it's constantly changing the way that we think, that we work, that we achieve things because we know that if we're not focusing on our mental health, we're not having mental health and well-being goals, then that's going to happen have a direct impact on our performance so that's a big shift for our culture changing a personal professional development plan that's really been always geared to performance and fees and sales now we're starting to say well how are you actually going in your well-being have you walk have you gone for a walk today have you gone and done your exercise that you said you would because you know that that has an impact on how you show up the next day so it's it's really important
1: well wow. I mean that that is huge and how have you got people to adopt that or get into the right, have you supported people to embrace that change?
0: Yeah, it's quite interesting actually. I think a lot of people do it naturally, right? They say that they've got these um exercise regimes and these health goals that they do, but they don't really write it down or they don't record it or they actually don't share it. I think that's the key, right? How do you get people on board? How do you um you know allow them to feel safe that they can actually shift their gear around this? It's it's about sharing it and talking about it and recording it. So, um I'll take the ops meeting for example last week where we had all our executives on the board um present to, you know, 60 odd um, of our senior leaders across the business. And when I did the presentation, I asked the board if it was okay that I shared all of our wellbeing goals at the executive level. Now, you know, you, you normally wouldn't do that, right? They're personal goals. They're things about, you know, what you're doing outside of work, not about work. So all of them said, yes, completely okay. And we we put up a big um, presentation and we, we called out all of our names and we said, this is what we're, we're signing up to. And it was quite funny. A lot of them, a lot of our managers on the call were sitting there going, oh, my God, that executive does yoga. They, they commit to doing yoga through factor of going we, we're going to talk about this and we're going to be okay we're talking about the fact that we are doing things particularly around our well-being every single week um, to focus our energy on and so I think it's about sharing I think it's about leading from the top I think it's about making sure that you are providing education about how to have those conversations because some people feel really uncomfortable uncomfortable still talking about well-being still talking about mental health so you know I think it's about being vulnerable and, and showing vulnerability and having courageous conversations. And, and with that comes, a, a, you know, a type of skill that we have to train and we have to develop in-house. So we've done a lot around resilience training, a lot around, um, you know, our leadership dare to lead programs around leading from the front and being able to be a thinking partner and share these stories more openly and more vulnerably. So, you know, I think there goes a lot to... One, sharing and two, also um, committing to those goals and drawing back to them constantly and making sure that, you know, uh, my boss constantly says, have you gone out today? Have you gone for a walk today? Or, you know, how's your goals been going around your personal well-being? So it's just really important. It becomes part of our everyday discussion.
1: Mm, very very embedded in the culture there's a huge amount of passion that comes across for well-being I talked a lot of um, people in your position and not everybody's as passionate about well-being as you are I'd love to um, understand where that passion has come from
0: yeah uh, look and it, it's a really great question um, Lawrence I think for me well-being has always been um, something I think as a child right when you're at when you're at school and you know you're either you either have a a real natural ability to want to look after your well being or health, right? And uh, and others, it gets built over time. And so for me, I was always really into sport, right? I always wanted to be um, living a very healthy, fit, active lifestyle. And it and it just came from um, knowing that I felt better, happier when I was doing physical activity in some regard. And whether that be team sport or exercise in some regard, it was always part of my life. Um, but I um, you know, through the years, as I was growing in my you know, professional career. Career at uni, I started to notice that stress and the stress that you get just purely taking on too much at, at one given time, right? Um, I am the type of leader that's a, a type A leader, hugely competitive, want to drive results, want to get A to B really quickly, impatient at times, and you know, have that, I have that awareness where I know that sometimes that can literally, you know, crush me. It, it can get to a point where an off switch and I need to have disciplined focus in regards to my mental health and well-being and so I think it was at university when I was you know doing doing my degree and realizing that the pressure was mounting and I was all I was doing was studying and working and and the the activity and and looking after my mental health and well-being sort of dropped off and so I really noticed a shift in my behavior and how I showed up to work every day and um, I think it became more and more of a a challenge for me because very early on in my life, um, I got I got dealt with a really bad card, and I got a, a pretty significant illness at 21 years of age that almost forced me to change my whole life in regards to mental health and well-being and focus on it every single day. So, you know, for me, you know, I think it's about your diet and nutrition and how you have the energy to support a job that becomes such such a high demand. You know, lots of HR practitioners, but even business operators have so much pressure our dealing with our current environment and change you really need to have that disciplined approach to eating really healthy dedicating time to you know physical exercise making sure that you're doing something in regards to your reflection and mental health and whatever that looks like whether it be meditation whether it be you know taking time out walking on the beach Um, I think it's really important to how you show up as a leader every day and so you know is it deliberate is it something that I'm really passionate about yes both from a personal point of view because I think you know, the healthier, the fitter you are, the better you're going to be for your people. And and you're going to be able to have the energy. You're going to have the ability to have a clear mind and a positive mindset rather than feeling like, everything's tumbling all over you and you don't, you can't breathe. And, and, you know, for me, if I don't have that part of my life, um, I think that everything else becomes really difficult and really challenging. So I think it's about sharing and and to, you know, to the point about being vulnerable, letting your your team know that we're all human. We all have our bad days. We all have things, personal challenges in our life that doesn't define us, right? It, all we can do is, is shape that for who we are, shape really bad challenges and experiences and, and do something about that. And so, for me if I can create a positive impact to my team and then for the broader business on how to focus on mental health and well-being then then that to me is doing a great thing because it's helping people in a very different way as opposed to just driving results getting from A to B yes that's great and yes that motivates me but so does looking after my mental health and well-being and I think that's really important.
1: Mm. Listening to you speak um, you realize that well-being is very much it's like the fuel, isn't it? It drives everything else. So it should be it should be the, the the number one priority because then you get the the results from all the other priorities. But often it's the uh, the wrong way round. It's back to front. You 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 you, you mentioned a lot about food and nutrition. I'm very pal- uh, passionate about food and the role food plays. And I guess in in the whole era of corporate wellbeing, often food can be the the bit that's quite hard to change so we all know that food is such an important component of a of a health strategy and yet influencing change in an organization can be very hard I'd love to to understand you know your experience if you've ever tried to uh, to um influence change in that area
0: yeah it's it's a really um great question because I think nutrition gets sort of put on the back burner right and I think it's all about physical activity and that's equally important but you know if you're not eating the right foods and having the right diet um, then you really do lose energy in the day and you really lose that ability to um, I guess stay stay active and stay and stay fit and stay healthy for your people and it's also about role modeling the right example right that if you're taking care of yourself and you're showing up every day and you have energy and you know uh, I think that's really important so for me you know a lot of people ask me questions I'm very I'm very different so you know there's lots of times where we have team meetings and events and corporate things where you know there's constant catering and constant food Um, and you know from from 12 I think 12 years ago I moved to a vegetarian diet um, and I do um, intermittent fasting and I have done for long time now and you know a lot of people say oh you're not eating you know you're not eating that food or you're not having something and it it can be quite a precious situation right because almost you almost feel like you're forced to to eat because everyone else is eating right but Mm -hmm. I think it's about just being honest and open about it and talking about the benefits of why I do intermittent fasting, why I eat you know a a vegetarian diet. Um, You know, I wasn't always that strict when I first started but I noticed that you know I just I just my head was clearer when I when I started to change the foods that I was eating. It wasn't going for the sugar because you know, that's the default, right? A lot of executives go, I just need a bit of sugar, just need a bit of chocolate, or I just need another coffee. And so for me, I kind of, I kind of demonstrates that if I talk more about it, I'm influencing people at work. And I've naturally seen that over the years where my team members, even my direct reports, will notice a change in how I eat compared to how they eat. And they'll they'll ask questions and they'll say, look, I want to, I want to live a more healthier life or I want to, you know, be more focused on my um on what I'm eating and my nutrition. You know, how do you do it, Nat? What where where have you got that information from? And, you know, there's a lot of research out there that suggests that nutrition and putting a focus on what you eat at work and what you eat outside of work has um has a direct impact on the energy that the energy levels that you have um, even your mind thinking clearer and making sure that you're you know always being really um, motivated and positive to be talking about how you can stay fit and healthy I think is just really really important um, and so for me I'm I, I openly talk about it I openly talk about it with my team we focus on that holistically yes you can always have days where there's a cheat day or a fun day where you, you know you sort of let that um, relax a little bit but overall I think it's about really educating people that new, nutrition at work is super important, um, and you know I, I deliberately talk about that when I um, when I talk about mental health and wellbeing, and I share it every time on an ops meeting where they go, why aren't you eating that? What are you having for lunch? Well, you know, I don't eat lunch, but this is this is my diet. This is how I this is how I operate, and so I think it's just a routine. It's having discipline. You've got to have real discipline to want to make that shift, um, and for me, it's it's a constant. Um, you know area for improvement every day how, how can I do things better how can I research and understand what superfoods you could be eating as opposed to you know the crap that you sometimes tend to go to in a stressful period or, or difficult time
1: yeah no, thank you for sharing and it's a really exciting there's a whole psych um, exciting piece of uh, like emerging research I guess called psychonutrition now which is really demonstrating that link between what you eat and your mental health uh, I feel we've gone through yep various different stages of mental health whereas now it's much more holistic and you've talked about that quite a lot in terms of having a holistic strategy and you you've mentioned encouraging people to bring their whole self to work I'd love you to expand on that what what does that mean exactly bring your whole self to to work
0: yeah so um you know in Hayes, we have a very deliberate um and, and probably aggressive and bold strategy towards um you know um, equity, diversity, and inclusion, right? And and that really comes about uh, around people not hiding who they are. So you know, from from a leadership perspective, from a um, you know what what traits and behaviours you have when you show up to work. And we do a lot of things around psychometric testing where um, we do predictive index, um, and that really articulates what type of person you are. And sharing that information and being open about who you are. So you know, we know that the you know the data and the research suggests that no matter how many times you do those tests you are who you are right but you can always try and shift the dial to match to your current environment so you know as i've mentioned before um my true self is i'm extremely competitive i'm someone that likes to move really quickly i like to operate fast i like to have a million things going on at the same time that drives me um, that passion that energy and so sometimes i have to reflect and go is my current environment going to deal with that given the the sensitivities around, for example, COVID or challenges that people have got in the team or people that just don't operate like me, that aren't who I am? And so it's about having that real self-awareness of who you are as a person and not changing who you are. I mean, we have our global um, chief HR officer that constantly says, never change who you are, be who you are, but you can always shift the dial a little bit to, to, to change your environment and to have empathy and compassion for others that don't probably operate at the pace that you sometimes operate or don't connect or don't understand so it's one being really acutely aware of who you are from a behavior behavioral perspective and 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 don't hide that i think you know that there's strengths and weaknesses in in everything around who you are so you know impatience i used to always think was a negative thing i used to say being impatient was such a bad thing and i should learn to be more patient but sometimes impatience can mean driving results a lot quicker and a lot faster and, and you know having that finger on the pulse so it's about that balance and that shift So that's what I would say about behaviour, leadership, how you are as a person in terms of your traits and behaviours. The other side is... um being your whole self around sharing who you are outside of work and I think that's the part that's been the journey for Hayes is that it's okay to be vulnerable about whether you do have personal challenges and I'll take the perfect example of we just had um, International Disability Day and how we targeted that International Disability Day is we shared personal stories of people who have disabilities whether that be long-term illnesses whether that be physical disabilities that we wouldn't normally talk about in a in a um, global environment and we did. We did a global podcast as we're we're doing now. And we shared stories. Some were anonymous where we got other leaders to read out those personal stories and the challenges and and the things that they go through. And then others fronted up and they wanted to talk quite openly about their journey with their disability. So when I talk about showing who you are and being your true self, it's knowing that these vulnerabilities are not seen as weaknesses they're seen as strengths and it's about making sure that people feel safe that's whole psychological safety and and wanting to really be okay with giving feedback talking about your personal challenges and bringing that into work because we know that you can't just switch off that stuff that happens in your personal life that that has a direct impact in into your work life so if you understand that person more from a holistic point of view you're going to be able to manage that relationship better you're going to understand the sensitivities you're going to be able to have empathy and compassion for that person because you know them beyond the workplace and I think that's really important Um, one of the things we foster is having great relationships with people at work having those connections having those friendships being able to be social so you can't do that without sharing your true self and who you are so um you know my boss is is one of the 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 best advocates of that he knows exactly who I am he knows when I'm frustrated he knows when I'm having a bad day and 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 being okay with that and actually demonstrating the fact that it's okay to have a bad day it's okay not to be okay because I know who you are Nat and I know who you are from a holistic point of view not just from a work point of view
1: I love that. Thank you for sharing that. One last question just on on this topic. What tools, because one of the, I guess, the underlying um, themes is the importance of self-knowledge, self-awareness, because with that knowledge, you can be adaptable to whatever the context. Do you have tools that um, that everybody has access to to help them develop that self-knowledge? I'd love to know what what, what some of those, those tools are.
0: Yeah, so um, we have actually the benefit of having a um, a psychologist, a, a psychologist that works in our um, group uh, UK um, business, and he does a lot of work with our leaders around um, you know thinking partners and um, leadership um, training courses that are that are built in house uh, around um, how you have um, emotional resilience to have these kind of conversations, how you become self aware using the psychometric tools, and then being able to debrief it because I think. I think the part that organisations miss is they do the testing, but then they don't have the proper debrief with someone that's a psychologist by trade that can actually unpack some of that information because that information can be quite confronting. So it's not about just getting the result and going, oh, you know, that person's not culture fit or that person doesn't work because they've scored really low in that area. It's about shaping that conversation in the right way. So the benefit of actually being trained in how to debrief on some of these psychometric testing tools is really important. So what we've done in, in ANC. We've got all of our HR practitioners to be upskilled and trained in how to debrief, how to understand the the testing, how to have those quality conversations. And then the leaders have to go through leadership programs to understand and unpack their own self-leadership. So when we do personal growth plans and development plans um, right from the top, we have qualitative conversations around who that person is. It's not just about, um, you know, their their achievements from a KPI perspective. It's it's talking about what motivates them, what drives them, what's their purpose. So it's all around shifting the kind of conversation that you're having at a very psychological level. And it's almost like you feel like you're going into a, a counselling session, right? Because you're talking about where does that breed from? Why do you think you operate like that? Why do you think you're showing up like that? And it comes from a much deeper place around. Uh, um, you know, trying to unpack who you are and the behaviours that drive you every day. So, you know, I think in terms of the tools, you could, there are so many tools out there. And all I would caution is that, you know, you want to become an expert in how to navigate those tools and those testings and, and being able to have those conversations at a much deeper level. And you can't do that unless you go through a train, you know, the training to, to equip you to have those conversations. So, you know, our managers have gone through quite a journey where they're not used to having those conversations. They're used to, you know, what are my KPIs? What do I need to deliver. What are my projects? To to now asking questions, listening, active listening, being able to just sit there and and hear someone's feedback and someone's struggles, and then be able to try and walk, you know reflect and walk away from that and go. I just need to consider that. I'll come back to you on that. So you know, there's a lot of different techniques and tools that we've been trying to utilize through our. Uh, we've got a program called thinking partners and that's all about thinking and how the type of questions you're asking in those type of conversations but also um, from a very executive leadership perspective understanding the predictive index testing and how that can have a benefit to your personal development and career. so um, you know we've done quite a bit of work in that space there's still more to go we still want to make sure that we put more people through that program of work to make sure that they're um, they're equipped to have those conversations but I think you know if nothing else we want to make sure we we're continuing our resilience training, we're continuing our, um, our psychological safety and mental health training. We want to participate in the, you know, constantly uh, making more people mental first aiders in, in the organisation and, and, and refreshing that knowledge. So it's not just you do a mental for, mental health first aid course two years ago, you've got to go back and continue that, that ongoing learning and development. Uh, it's,
1: it's wonderful. You realize how different leadership is now, like when you're when, when you're leading a whole team, you need to have psychologists in your team. You need to yep. lots of different things. It's no longer uh, just about the KPIs, the business KPIs, but it's about all the things that drive those KPIs. Um, and so understanding the person. So last question um, from me. So. We've talked a lot about balance. This podcast is called "Finding Equilibrium," and I'd love to—I'd love to get your um, perspective on what that means to you. So, what does "finding equilibrium" mean to you?
0: I think it means one having the self-awareness of when you do need that balance, and when sometimes it shifts on one to the other, and sometimes it will. Naturally, we can't sit there and say every day we must have balance because we know that's impossible some days, right? Um, So for example, today, I knew that I was gonna have a couple of hours in the morning free. What did that mean for me when I knew that I would have a heavy work schedule in the afternoon and a very early um, session tomorrow morning because I have a lot of um, calls with the UK. So part of my thinking was, I'm not gonna have that balance in the next 24 hours. So I've got this window here what does that mean to me? That means I'm going to get out. I'm going to go for a really long walk and I'm, go, I'm going to go to the beach because the beach makes my mind feel calm and at peace and happy. And if I just do that, even if it's for an hour, that will make my whole next couple of hours, next 24 hours so much more bearable because I'll be thinking about the hour that I had and that I spent that just calmed everything down that made me feel at peace that made me feel like I took the time out to focus on my mental health and well-being so I think it's about having that very very deliberate self-awareness of knowing your schedule, being prepared and being planned that you are going to have some days that you're not going to be able to have that balance, but trying to find areas where you can and finding moments in time. And it's about surrounding yourself with people that share that same viewpoint and, and understand that you need to have that time out and having the flexibility. I think balance is all about being flexible right Flex, flexing your day flexing your week flexing the year ahead and being able to know that you know there's no fixed rules anymore around this stuff and we need to be more um, fluid in our approach to how we talk about balance and, and work and life and I think for me it's, it's a real change in mindset and if you're not there and you need some help with that I think there are so many great um, resources out there that talk about all the things we said about the research that suggests around nutrition around physical activity so so really doing a bit of um self-learning and self-understanding around what that means and why that's important and you know why that keeps coming up as a trend. It's not a trend, it's a way of life. And so for me, balance is just something that. I think about all the time and I know when I don't have it and when I don't have it it changes everything for me in my life both personally and professionally so I think it's about being comfortable with the fact that this is now a, a top priority this is something we need to be talking about this is something we need to be educating people about and it's about knowing your limits knowing your personal limits and your personal limits might be less more than others but it's about being open about who that person is that you're interacting with and, and are they open enough or do, do they feel that the environment is safe enough to be having that conversation around taking time out or having a mental health well-being day or taking an extra day because they need it because they feel stressed and, and us just being okay with that and I think we need to be more accepting of that as, as we go through this process of COVID but also even thereafter that you know we're never going to be the same because of this and we just need to keep evolving and shaping and understanding what that balance looks like.
1: I love that. Thank you very much. It it also, to me, it kind of highlights that balance between the short term and the long term, because if you are having a stress day, you need to get the balance back. Otherwise, it just perpetuates, doesn't it? And you end up with a major problem. So yeah. But Nat, thank you so much for spending. So you're busy. Uh, I know how busy you are. So I really appreciate you spending a, a little of your time with us today. And let me acknowledge you for all the amazing work that you've that you, that you that you've done yeah. in, in Hayes and also in your career up until this point. And thank you so much you. For, for sharing. Uh, where can people find out more about, about you and about your work?
0: Yeah, please. Um, Look, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn and I share a lot of the wellbeing stuff that we do. Um, So please feel free to connect in. Um, I'm always around. Um, You can just look me up. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm on the, I'm on the internet, on the Hayes exec board. So if you ever want to get in contact with me, my contact details are there, but very happy to have a conversation and share my knowledge in this space and what, what we're doing um, that works for our company, but also personally, if there's anyone that has challenges or struggles in this area, very happy to share my experience.
1: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Nat. Thank you everyone for your your attention and we will see you next time. Thanks, Lawrence. Thanks a lot.